Good morning, everyone. How are you doing? Good. Yeah, two people who are awake. That's brilliant to hear. Um, if we've not met before, my name's Ed. I'm married to um, Jessica, our kids and families pastor and our co-lead pastor with me. And um, we are um, just love this church, really. This is one of the best families that I've ever had the joy to be a part of. And I'm so grateful for all of you for being here. If this is your first time um, and you're like, what is this place? Um, I guess here's the deal. Our hope is that you would feel at home in this place, in this community of people who are just trying to work out what it means to follow Jesus and pursue Jesus in Exeter in 2021, that you would find friendship more than anything else, that you would find purpose and you would find hope and, and peace. And if there's anything at all that, that I or we can do to help you with that process, we would just love to, to do that. And so um, you can um, speak to a member of the team at the end of today, anyone wearing one of those badges around their neck, they would, would love to tell you how to get involved in the life of the church. But um, equally, drop us an email, hello at stmatsexter.org, and we would love to get back to you about that. But I guess my, my dream here is that if you're wondering what this is, that this would feel like home that you would feel at home in this place. And today we're continuing our vision series, looking at the vision that we believe God's given us to love Jesus and transform Exeter. That's our vision. Um, and it's both audaciously bold and at the same time, I hope, excitingly real. It's something that we could hardly dream of, but at the same time, we could see become a reality in our time. And that as we work out what it means to be followers of Jesus, that we might become more like him, that as we love Jesus, he might through us transform the city around us. That is our goal. And for that reason, we are not dependent upon good ideas or bold strategies, although they're brilliant things in themselves, but we are dependent on the presence of God. We can't do anything at all without his presence. That's why we spend so much time on Sundays just trying to enjoy his presence, to dwell in his presence, to spend time in it. And we've titled this vision series, The River, partly because we live in a city with a beautiful river. Um, I love the River X and everything that it does. And it brings life and it brings joy and it brings purpose uh, to this city. And, and the whole city exists because of it, but also because the river is this image that God uses again and again to show how he works, to describe the way his spirit works, flowing from one place to another, getting deeper and wider and stronger. And last week I spoke about that from the uh, book of Ezekiel. And about a river that is described in a vision that he has, which brings life to people and to places that feel dry and dead. And you can catch up with that on the podcast if you've missed it. Um, actually, I've just got to share this. I listen to podcasts in bed sometimes, and I normally listen to other podcasts, but I obviously subscribe to the St. Matt's podcast. And so I woke up in the middle of the night hearing my own voice ringing in my ears, which was a surreal experience. But if you want my voice in your ears at night, download the podcast. You can listen to all of our talks that way. Um, but I've got to get back on track now. We started with this idea that God's presence is like a river, that it flows from one place to another, that it grows wider and deeper and it brings life. And we need to place ourselves in that river. And the best way to get into that river of his presence is worship and prayer. But today I want to look at another image of a river that comes in the Bible. And this time it is in Jesus' own words in John chapter 7. And it captures this moment that you could easily miss. 
the context of this moment is really what I think makes it really interesting. And I promise I will read it to you in a minute. But I want to tell you the context before I read it to you to make sense. Jesus is in Jerusalem for the festival of Sukkot. Sukkot is sometimes called the festival of tabernacles or, or tents or booths. It's a kind of harvest festival in Judaism. It's a celebration of all the things that God has provided for his people in the year past, all the food and the way the harvest has come. But it's also a prayer that he would reign on their land, that more stuff might grow and provide for them in the year ahead. And it's kind of like those harvest festivals that you remember at school, you know, when your mum gave you a can of kidney beans and sent you to school and you had to like place it at the front of church. I don't know if anyone else had that experience. It's kind of like that, but better. And they're having this thing. Jesus is in Jerusalem for the festival of those things. And to this day, thousands of Jews around the world will celebrate the festival of booths or tents by building these little temporary structures outside their homes, wooden walls and and palm branches as as roofs. And they will sleep in them and pray in them and eat in them and and celebrate them. I've got a little photo, actually, if we can throw that up, Polly, of um, what it looks like in a street. People move out of their houses and they move into these booths, partly as a way of reminding them themselves of the way that they traveled through the desert at many times in Jewish history. And and in this same context, Jesus is in Jerusalem for this festival. And this is a festival that lasts seven days. And and it's a festival full of symbolism and ritual and um, choreography. Because each day a priest would go from the temple in Jerusalem and they would take an ornate golden jug like this one. And they would take it from the temple and they would walk all the way down through the city, through the inner city of Jerusalem. And they would come down to something called the Pool of Siloam. And the Pool of Siloam was a pool that was filled with a natural spring. And they would dip the jug, and I've picked a far too large jug. but And they would dip the jug into the water. And they would scoop the water up and then they would carry it with singing and chanting and the blowing of trumpets and fanfares. The priest would carry it through all the people and they would carry it, it's quite heavy, carry it back up to the temple. And there on the temple, they would march around the altar in the temple once and they would pour the water out over the altar as a way of reminding themselves that they're dependent on God for the rain that brings life. And every day they would do this from the temple to the pool and back again with singing and chanting and trumpets and celebration, carrying it up to this. And each time the the celebration happened, each time the jug was filled and then poured out and filled and then poured out, the, the celebrations and the joy would grow more and become louder and louder. And in that moment, John, the Apostle John, records this in John chapter 7, starting at verse 37. See, I promised we'd get there in the end. If you've got a Bible or a phone, uh, turn with me to John chapter 7. It's also going to appear on the screens. And it says this about that moment. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. I've been thinking about these words and this moment now for about three years, because I think these are the words of Jesus that define our vision. They define the thing that our church has, has been called to be and to do. Our calling both as individuals, as part of this church, but also as a collective. 
in the middle of this great festival of water, Jesus makes this radical invitation in three parts. Come to me and drink. Trust in me and believe. And rivers of spirit-filled life will flow from you and transform the places around you. You know, these last few days have been gloriously hot and sunny. Who's been out in the sun last few days? Enjoying Devon or Cornwall's beaches, uh, just lapping up the sun. I absolutely love it. This is one of the best places in the world to live, isn't it? But one of the things about being in the UK is that no matter how good or bad the weather gets, we are never truly ready. Anyone know that experience? You know, if you were to speak to the retailers, you would discover that, that uh, in the, the sudden spike of a heat wave like this one, the sale of hats and glasses and sun cream and towels and all the other things that you might need to go to the beach, they spike and go um, out of it. They, the supply can never meet the demand that's there. It's almost like that we can't prepare ourselves as people for just a little bit of unusual weather. And one of the biggest mistakes that I make when the sunny weather comes like this is I forget my water bottle. I forget to drink enough water and I get dehydrated really easily. And I almost never remember to carry a water bottle. I forgot mine today. I left it on the side full of water. And I forget to drink enough water. And this happened to me um, quite a few years ago now on my 18th birthday. Um, My birthday is the 12th of July, just in case you want to pop it in your calendar. And... um, Uh, the 18th of July, it's normally a nice, hot, sunny day. And the day before my birthday, I went to a friend's house because he asked if I would come and help him in his garden. And we worked in the sun in the middle of the day and it was hot and I was thirsty. And so I said to him, I was like, ah, look, I've forgotten my bottle. Is there any chance you could just lend me something that I can drink from? He went into his kitchen and he came out with the only bottle that he could find, which was his, his daughter's bottle from her nursery. And so it was like pink and shaped like a unicorn and all this stuff. But that didn't really matter. Like I was happy to drink from that. Um, but because I was hot and sweaty, I just kind of downed the water that was in it and went and refilled it and, and drunk another bottle. And, and it was all fine. And, and I downed it all. I drank lots and lots and lots of water as I worked in this garden. And it was no problem at all until later in the day when he called me and he said, um, and he said, you know, that bottle that you borrowed from me, did you wash it? And I was like, no, I didn't wash it. Like the water tasted fine. It looked fine. It didn't have any problems with it. And then he admitted that later in the afternoon, his wife had seen me drinking from this bottle and she told him about a text that she'd received from her daughter's nursery earlier that day. And the text was to tell her that an incredibly contagious waterborne illness had been found in the nursery and spread throughout the children. And that the nursery would be closed on Monday because uh, all of the children had the symptoms of D and V. And to begin with, I thought, I'm fine. Like, I'm sure this is not going to be a problem. This water is going to be fine, right? There's like, you know, she probably just sipped it a little bit. Like, children don't drink enough water anyway. I'll be fine. I'm a strong, fit young man, and I'll I'll be be fine. And then the symptoms started. (laughs) And um, I spent the rest of my 18th birthday experiencing uh, rivers of a very different kind. (laughs) With absolutely no more details needed than that. You know, in that moment, I reached for something that I thought would refresh me and bring me life. But in reality, it ruined my birthday party. Um, There are photos of me at my 18th birthday party, sort of everyone else is having a good time, sitting around a fire pit in a field. And there's me like, (laughs) you know, um, um, D&V, let's not go there. I need to not say any more about that. You know, sometimes when we thirst for things and we all thirst for things, we reach for the wrong thing. Sometimes we think 
the thing that we've reached for will bring us joy when in reality it takes away our peace and it robs us of our joy. And, and when Jesus stands up in the festival of Sukkot and shouts loudly, let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. He's not speaking of their physical feeling of thirst, although no doubt they were. He's speaking to their spiritual need for a living water in the midst of this joy, joyful festival. It's, it's kind of awkward because they're all, they're all parading from one place to another, holding up this jug of water that symbolises life. And Jesus is saying this, all the things that promise to give you life, the, the products and the brands that will claim to satisfy you, even the, the religious practices and the ceremonies that comfort you, they can't satisfy the thirst that is inside of you. Instead, he's saying this, come to me. Come to me. I'm the water you have been looking for. I'm the thing that can satisfy your soul. I'm the one who can give you life. You see, our, our vision to love Jesus and transform Exeter, to, to become a reality in each of our lives individually and as a church, we need a source that doesn't run dry. We need to pour ourselves out again and again. We need to pray and love and serve and give again and again. But the problem is that many of us are like an empty jug. I could do with a volunteer for this, Harry. Could you come up here for a moment? I haven't prepped you for this. This is exciting, isn't it? If Harry holds this bowl, which represents the city. Yeah, it's heavy, isn't it? It's heavy. And there's this jug of water, but, but it's limited, it's, it's empty. You know, if you pour everything out of it, there's nothing left to give. But if you come to Jesus, there's this life that doesn't stop flowing again and again and again. And Harry, just put your shoes right underneath it. And it just keeps going again and again and again. And it keeps pouring out. And it's like, you don't really know how, but it doesn't stop. It just, it'll just keep going forever and ever and ever. And it just keeps, and it begins to overflow into all the other places. And I'm so glad that Sophie's on holiday this weekend and won't tell me off for the carpet. Thank you so much. Would you mind dealing with that? Thank you. <laughs> you know, if we find ourselves empty and like we have nothing left to give, we need a source that doesn't run dry. We need a, a person and a place that we can go to again and again and again that will, no matter how much we pour ourselves out, and no matter how much we love and how much we serve and how much we pray, we won't get thirsty and dry and empty. In fact, if we believe in him and if we trust in him, if, if Jesus becomes the source of our lives, then the rivers of water flow from us in the same way that they flow from Jesus. I want to say this today. If you try and pour out of your own life and your own kindness and your own goodness, and your own generosity, if you try and give and serve and love out of all those things, you're going to run out. You're going to run dry. You're going to feel empty and broken and alone and lost. But if you allow Jesus to be the living source in your life, then you can continue to pour yourself out. And no matter how much you pour out, living water will continue to flow and flow and flow until it makes a mess on the floor beneath you. You know, John goes on to explain what Jesus means by all these metaphors of waters and rivers. He says this, by this he meant the spirit 
whom those who believed were later to receive. The river that flows from us is the Holy Spirit, the personal presence of God. And that's the invitation here, that we would allow the Holy Spirit to flow through us into the people and the places around us. The the two halves of this vision that we're talking about this series are linked. You know, you can't love Jesus without transforming Exeter and you can't transform Exeter without knowing and experiencing the love of Jesus and learning to love like he did. And I wonder what does transformation mean to you? You know, it's one of those words, isn't it, that you read in marketing slogans. And I was kind of reluctant when we decided to use it in our vision statement. But maybe there are parts of your own life that you would love to see transformed, changed beyond recognition. Maybe there are people around you that you would love to see experience the love of Jesus and never be the same again. Maybe sometimes like I do, you look at this city around us and you see all the things about it that are beautiful, but you also see the brokenness and you long for transformation. Maybe, maybe transformation for you looks like poverty and injustice eradicated. Maybe the transformation of Exeter looks like streets that are safe to walk through at night. Uh, Maybe it looks like people in the care system finding homes and experiencing authentic love. Maybe transformation looks like the hungry fed and the homeless housed. Maybe it looks like justice and mercy expressed to those on the margins. I'm convinced that we're called to all of those. But but to be honest, I I don't know what transformation means to you because I know that it means something slightly different to each of us. But I know this, transformation starts with you. You can't do any of those things alone. You can't do any of them. But with the Spirit of God who pours out rivers of living water, you can flow into every single one of those places and they can change. They can change. They don't have to stay the same. You can be a part of the way they change. And today is the day of Pentecost, the day when the church celebrates the way God poured out His Spirit on all people, starting with just a handful of people in a house in Jerusalem. And in the book of Acts, it tells us that on that day, Jesus' followers, they were all gathered together in one place. They were waiting and the Spirit of God came in the room and it sounded like a strong and violent wind. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire resting on people. They miraculously began to speak in other languages. But what really intrigues me about this moment is this, Peter, Peter's there in the, in the room, in the moment, and he, and he experiences and he sees these things for himself. But this is Peter who'd just been a simple fisherman, an ordinary man, a, a basic person who'd followed Jesus for three years, but then denied Jesus. Someone with no formal education or qualifications who stood up in the very same city where Jesus had spoken about the Holy Spirit. And he quotes from an ancient part of the Bible that goes like this. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your younger men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. See, the invitation of Pentecost is to keep 
receiving, to be open to receiving and to keep receiving the same spirit, the one who sounded like a, a mighty wind, who looked like fire, the spirit that gave people gifts they could never have imagined, the spirit that gave Peter, this unschooled, uneducated fisherman, the boldness to stand up in front of crowds of people and speak prophetically to them. This is the same spirit that Jesus is speaking about flowing from you. The spirit flowing from you, rivers of living water. And I wonder what are the places that God wants to speak to through you? What are the gifts that he wants to give you that you don't already have? What are the dreams and and the visions and and the prophetic pictures that will bring about the transformation of Exeter and beyond? You know, as I was writing this, I was convinced that there are some people right now and God is calling you to pray for wind and fire, for, for signs of his power in the places that you go. I think there are people, and God's already giving you dreams and visions. You might be old or you might be young, and he's giving you dreams and visions. I think there are people here today who are called to be a prophetic voice in their office or in their family or in their workplace or in their school. People who are called to go and to to say what God is saying, that the Spirit of God might come into those places, that the Holy Spirit might flow out through us. But let me come back to the first part of Jesus' invitation. Come to me. Put your trust in me. Allow my spirit to flow out of you like a river of living water. I don't know why I broke up the word living there. Should we pray now? I would love us to pray and invite the spirit of God to do that in us today. And so would you stand and um, worship team, come on up and, and join me.